This is the way. This is the way. Hello there. So say we all. May the force be with you. You're a wizard, Harry. I am Iron Man. What about second breakfast? Assemble. You're here because you know something. Whoa, this is heavy. I volunteer in tribute. I'm Batman. You have chosen wisely. The North remembers. Go infinity and beyond. The force will be with you. Welcome to the Nerdverse, nerds. Today, this corner of the Nerdverse is for all you DC nerds out there. I'm Justin. Preferred pronoun is long live rock Columbo. And I'm Brian, Superman's poo fetish, Plofsky. And we could not be happier that you killed a gorilla with a chainsaw in order to have joined us today. Today in the Nerdverse with Justin and Brian, we'll be heading to Glantai with the 11th Street Kids, debating the hair metal hierarchy surrounding Hanoi Rocks while wearing our X-ray vision helmets, and diving into episode five of Peacemaker, Monkey Dory. And as a reminder, this is your spoiler alert alert. I repeat, this is your spoiler alert alert. We are going to spoil everything about this episode, about the other Peacemaker episodes, as well as potentially the Suicide Squad and other DC um, movies and TV shows. Uh, So this is your spoiler alert alert. Justin, welcome into the Nerdverse. I am am so excited to finally be here, having listened... To one side of this through the walls for the last few months. <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, for those of you listening, uh, Justin Justin is Joanna's husband. Um, we are so happy to have him to talk Peacemaker uh, today. But before we start talking about Peacemaker, we are entering into the DC Nerdverse, that sector um, of the Nerdverse. And so I'm going to need to ask you to hand over your passport, but specifically, I'm going to need you to hand over your uh, DCEU, DC Movies, you know, entertainment um, and and TV shows passport. Um, So I guess my question for you is, um, how many Batarang stamps do you have in your DC passport? You know, I, I thought about this and I actually, I consulted with Joanna just because I wasn't sure <laughs> how to gauge my Batarang situation. And I came to the conclusion that I think that Joanna and I have the same amount of Batarang stamps because wherever we go in the Nerdverse, we tend to go together. So that feels sure. that feels safe to say. <laughs> cool. So that puts you out of five and I have a seven. Um, I think that that sounds fair. So we've got we've gotten through customs. Luckily, great job, everybody. I know <laughs> customs can be pretty treacherous uh, when 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 going through the nerdverse. But uh, yeah, let's just let's start with you because you're you're you haven't been on. We only kind of know your opinions via Joanna's kind of like one offs here and there. Um, so how have you been in one offs? How have you been enjoying Peacemaker so far? So we just get some context uh, to talk about episode five. I think this is the best thing to come out of the DCEU. Like just like the the best thing. Period. I think this is the best thing. I think this is perfect. I think this is okay. This okay. If if anything, it's the second best thing because I do I think the first Wonder Woman is incredible. But sure. this is this show is so good in terms of the tone. The writing is perfect. It doesn't take itself so seriously, which is my biggest issue with the DCEU is that there's no room for any kind of like loose kind of like, you know, non-serious nature. It's like they take their capes so seriously. Whereas this feels so just, 
irreverent and it just is like a ragtag bunch of kids. And I love that. Like, I mean, I, I was initially not so much sold on the idea. And then that quote that James Gunn had floating around where he said, this is the show is basically eastbound and down meets the Watchmen," And I was like, Oh, this show is going to be incredible because the Watchmen is incredible. And kind of that perfect comic book meets film kind of happy medium. And then eastbound and sure. down is maybe the dumbest, uh, most incredible and hilarious show of all time. So I was like, if you're going to give me those two things together, you're going to give me John Cena doing un John Cena things. Sign me up. Like I'm mm-hmm. so here for I it. I can feel it in my plums. <laughs> Stupid, I'll tell you. <laughs> I, I've rewatched this. The, I mean, these what five episodes. I've rewatched the first four episodes, like every other day. It feels like just because I think this show is so incredibly well sculpted, well written. It has the, this perfect perspective and it's just, I think this show is so good. I think it is the perfect thing that the DCEU desperately needed, which was a a series that doesn't take itself too seriously and just can allow everyone to like relax a little bit, which I think is something that is hard to find in the in the DCEU. Although you get it in kind of their animated stuff, but live action wise, you know, you don't really get it a ton. But with this, it just like this show should not be as good as this show is. It just and it just hits sure. all the marks. Oh, so here's a question for you: What's more well sculpted, this show or John Cena's tushy? How dare you! Actually, you know what's I was, the, the thing I look at in the show are his arms and how they just they don't look real. Like like John it looks Cena CG, has right? Yeah, like he like John Cena looks like. Like, uh, what's his face? Um, uh, 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 TDK, like the detachable kid in, in the oh, Suicide yeah, Squad yeah, yeah. kind of looks like, he looks like, like a, if like a, you pulled apart an action figure, like John Cena looks like, like a 1990s action figure, like with his muscles. I'm just like, this, like, you're not a real person to me. Like this is totally, you, 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 you look too perfect for this. Oh my God. Because those pants. He does wear loose fitting pants, which I, I noticed for some. I don't know why I noticed it, but maybe because he's mm-hmm. holstering. I I think that's interesting, but because he could. I, I noticed because his tushy <laughs> looks amazing in those pants. How dare you! <laughs> like when he goes out into the parking lot looking for Judo Master, like his tushy looks incredible in that wide shot. I noticed it. <laughs> I, 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 I I'm not afraid to say it. <laughs> you know, you, you know, it was the first moment that I had to pause it. I had to pause the show because I was laughing so hard. Is in the first episode where he shoots off the sonic boom in the parking lot. He's just in his underwear. Yeah. That got me so good because I was like, one, the 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 words tidy whities has never been truer in the history of the world. But also I was like, John <laughs> Cena looks so small <laughs> in this moment, which I was like, I've never <laughs> seen this dude look so tiny. <laughs> it just which is I which is honestly, I think like a testament to the show that like you have this human being who looks like a balloon animal and you're able to like make him like look like super small, both like physically and emotionally, which I think is a credit to John Cena. I think it's a credit to the writing. It's credit to James Gunn that you're able to kind of have this larger than life person be so (laughs) weirdly small and like 
vulnerable and sensitive physically and emotionally at the same time. Like, but that, I mean, he just, he's just sitting there. <laughs> I just I can't. God damn. This show is so good. This show is so good. So let's get into episode five, Monkey Dory, or chapter yes. five, I should say. It was directed. It was still written by James Gunn. They're all written by James Gunn, but this one was directed by Rosemary Rodriguez. Um, so uh, I'll just do a quick summary, then we can talk through the whole fun thing. Um, Peacemaker's yeah. dad um, basically proves his innocence to Detective Song, um, and he blames his son. Uh, and then so she does her own investigation on that. Uh, Mern tells everybody about the butterflies in an incredible PowerPoint presentation uh, sequence. Uh, and then they go to the bottle factory. They go to the bottle factory that um, Adebayo found uh, in the previous episode. And then uh, we find out that Mern has been meeting with the character named Casper Locke um, to help with the Augie situation because they don't want him messing everything up. Um, so then Peacemaker and everybody go into the factory. They start like, raising hell with all those butterflies uh, the factory is for the food the nectar that these butterflies are eating and then they encountered the gorilla that was brought up it previously uh, in uh, a previous episode excuse me um where the zoo on tv was saying that a gorilla named charlie um was kidnapped well that gorilla named charlie uh can talk um and they kill it with a chainsaw the Chekhov's gorilla <laughs> And then they bond on their way back in the truck. Um, and then so what we find out on the Peacemaker's dad side is that Locke actually uh, got his way into the – as the new police captain. Uh, and Song requests the help of her uncle who's a judge because he basically kept Peacemaker's dad in prison even though the evidence clearly points um, to uh, Peacemaker. Peacemaker out of bio have a drink at his uh, – I was going to say apartment, but his trailer. And uh, they basically just say, like, you know, be uh, be nicer. But that's when she plants the fake diary. and She's really torn about it because she's really starting to like um, Chris, uh, Peacemaker. Uh, and then when she gets back to the office because she can't sleep, she calls her wife to kind of – she's kind of apologizing. She's kind of venting. We'll talk a little bit more about that B-plot line. And she puts on um, – peacemaker's x-ray helmet and she sees the reveal that we got last week that Mern is a butterfly uh and then he attacks her and uh, we we black out there so that was this week's episode obviously that's just like plot stuff this has a lot more so layers good. to it um so justin what did you think of this episode and what kind of stood out for you in this episode Okay, so the thing that I love about this episode is that it felt like for the first time a lot of things that you were kind of anticipating happening happened. Like, um, you know, like they really kind of hone in on having, you know, mentioning the gorilla and making sure that, you know, that audio was really pumped through the first time, you know, they, they walk into um, Peacemaker's dad's house. So you have that kind of in the back of your head of like, there's a gorilla, there's a gorilla, there's a gorilla. Sure. But then even when, you know, it, you know, you kind of realize, you know, when he says he's our guardian angel, who they're talking about, you're still like, oh, right. Okay, great. Like, it feels like this is where we're starting to get shoes dropping, which I think is great. But then it's also like, you're also realizing what shoes haven't. And then whether or not those shoes are like Dutch clogs that are like made out of wood and are going to kill you. Um, like, uh, you know, with Mern and with Locke, like, you know, and there's so much 
like unspoken Waller, I think, mm-hmm. going on here too, especially with Adebayo. Sure, you can feel her presence. And and but also knowing knowing what you know about Mern, knowing what happens with Locke, watching um Adebayo struggle with kind of how to both navigate like her relationship and then keep, you know, her and her wife safe, but then also in a weird way kind of want that same thing for Peacemaker, you start to see that struggle kind of really take root. So it's like, this I think is the perfect episode. And at first, like, you know, when it cuts off and it has that just smash cut black roll credits, I was like, no, I want more. And then I realized, I was like, oh, that's because what you're setting us up for is about to get wild because now we've just made so many layers Mm -hmm. of this. Oh, I mean, I thought this episode was so good in so many ways. You get to see kind of everyone in action. You get to see kind of this really nice, you know, kind of partner duo between Harcourt and Vigilante and Adebayo and Peacemaker. Mm-hmm. And you get kind of this fuller scope of what the butterflies are. And I also think that they do, they've done a great job so far of kind of helping us learn about butterflies kind of at the same speed as peacemaker which i think is great especially since he's the person who's like are you going to tell us about what they are you know what i mean so it's like like nothing's being tipped so everything you're like oh like there's this excitement it's palpable you know what i mean yeah i do i think something that i really liked about this episode to kind of spring off of well before we get into like the funny parts and all that i I really like what this season is doing Mm. because this season is really really building up peacemakers inner life in a way that I kind of both expected from James Gunn, but didn't expect it to be handled this well. And that's not a commentary on James Gunn. That's just a comment. Maybe it is because like his, his growth as a storyteller working in both Marvel and DC, it's just wonderful to watch his growth and the way he could be more nuanced in the way that he handles characters, especially one as um, bombastic and big and over the top as John Cena as peacemaker. And some things in this episode that really struck me in a positive way was the conversation they have about how he calls people by what he thinks of their penis and how that is like a a bullying moment and then he says i was bullied too they called me a bully like that whole sequence said was funny yeah and said so much about his character it's kind it's kind of like the john ham character in 30 rock where he's like living in his own little bubble of you know like like he he his 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 he how he sees everything is so skewed and that moment was great and then that connecting to um uh his drink with autobio oh. was really great in terms of like be nicer because you know like i thought like all that mixed throughout was really good especially as a follow up to last week's episode where he's trying to reconcile the fact that his father is a terrible person but he's still his father i feel like he's trying to recall recall trying to reconcile like this inside of himself and to like i'm i did bad things but i'm not a bad guy because if you noticed in the when she's going through his apartment or excuse me his trailer and she looks at all of the clippings on his wall and she sees the kite man clipping first of all kite man is canon i love it well and and kite man has showed up uh twice in the last like year and a half for the for dc and dceu because kite man is very big in the harley quinn animated series so i'm here for kite man (laughs) kite man is fantastic I think that that's the best thing DC has done <laughs> in the past couple of years. That's fair. But like, that's fair. Uh, but, that's I, but I won't say that it. 
I won't say that it is <laughs> until uh, this is done. That's fair. That's fair. I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> so in the Kite Man clippings, what was interesting to me is th- I, 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 there's a, a piece in there that refers to Peacemaker as a hero, as a superhero. Like he started out in this one mindset. And now, like, he's – is he the villain? Like, he was arrested? Like, all these things. So, like, they're, like, subtly phoning in – not phoning in. That, that's the negative term. But they're suddenly massaging in his psyche through all these things. Like, he keeps clippings up of when he was a hero. But his 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 behavior and his motives – his motive hasn't changed, but his behavior and what his actions have changed. But he still sees himself as a hero. So him, like, coming to terms with all of that was very, very um, – was really great for me in this episode. Well, and I and I think you're totally right in that, like e- even going back to the Suicide Squad, where you have everyone kind of saying like you're a peacemaker, like w- but you kill people, and he was like, yes, I will kill any man, woman, or child if it means getting peace, and it's like, okay, well you're you you are an oxymoron then, you know, and like mm-hmm. you can't kill anyone unless there's a dove of peace on the. I think that peacemaker is kind of this question of is peacemaker a villain or is peacemaker a hero? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and going into this, like, you know, I I mean, I remember coming out of the suicide squad being like, this guy sucks. Absolutely not. But then kind of this show has kind of immediately kind of, because it has to kind of made you take a step back and say like, well, you know, who is and who isn't. Like, even in that episode where they have that great conversation about Batman, you know, where Peacemaker makes some fantastic oh, on the points. Lawn with like, the old guy next door. Which is so – oh, it's so funny. It's so good. But, mm-hmm. like, he has a point where he's like, is is Batman even doing good if, if he's just throwing people in jail so they can break out? He knows they're going to break out. Why does he keep throwing them in jail? Totally. And he has a point. But also, you, you you're, I think you're totally right here where this is a person who personally celebrates – the moments where they are a hero, these good moments, but then publicly and professionally, they're celebrated for not those moments particularly. And it's kind of, it's, it's this weird kind of un, it's like an uncomfortable, like juxtaposition, which I think this show lives in that space in the best of ways. Like the opening credit scene this is the only show that I don't skip the credits every single time because I think it's so funny, but it also is feels weird and it feels uncomfortable, yet it's perfect. Like this show mm-hmm. slams that. Like, and it and it, it it's just because I think that's who Peacemaker is. He has these these weird moments of like, you know, when he's going off um, you know, to Die Beard or Economos about mm-hmm. the other people he could have put in the PowerPoint, and he's just just reaming him out. And then at the end of the episode, like has this extremely vulnerable moment and props to you, John Cena for pulling it off where he's looking at how to bio. And he's like, you know, I never had this and I've always wanted this. And it's just such a moment of just like, like, I mean, you know, in, in acting school, they would tell us, right. You know, it's like the, there's a public self and a private self. And I think that with Peacemaker, what we perceive to be their public self, like, you know, who they show people they are, we like to think is, you know, like a facade, but I think it's actually not. And I think that he just lives very vulnerably in life. So when he has these moments Mm -hmm. that feel so like frontal, it's, 
I mean, the weight of it just, I think, knocks you over. I think it's so good. So, and it's So what you're saying is the weight, the weight of his furl frontal knocks you over. Yes, always. Especially with John Cena. Especially with <laughs> Hot damn. Oh man. Well, it's I actually love this show. it's it's interesting <laughs> that you say that though. I know I love it. It's interesting because like in the sim in it you know, we're watching Boba Fett at the same time as this. And just like the concept of tribe and finding your tribe and like being accepted by that tribe, like, like it is really prominent in this series as well, because you have a hardcore finally kind of like breaking through her, whatever wall she, she's the one who takes the picture and shares it. Um, you know, they start to actually bond. Um, and then he's, he basically when he's breaking down, when, when Adebayo tells him, uh, that he just is a dick to push people away, like like a bully does. Yeah. Again, connected to the beginning of the episode, um, he basically is saying like this is the first time he's ever felt like he's had like, and he's gonna say family or tribe or something like that. Especially because his dad fucking turns on him at the beginning of this episode. I just really thought that that was just like a yeah. really really nice arc to this episode and like we we've hit the halfway mark more or less or we're past it because this is eight episodes sure. and i think we're in a really good place where he's starting to grow um because similar to other james gunn properties specifically i'm talking about guardians of the galaxy the main character's trauma is associated excuse me the, the things that the characters like is associated with the trauma his dad abused him mentally and potentially physically in the 80s and he latched on to that that 80s music and that 80s hair band like like you know um uh thing i I can't think of the word um and then and then but like like Uh, star lord he attached himself to no his hair metal but like the bands and the the culture 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 totally right because in Oh yeah. Oh well, and another thing or two about hair metal. But like, <laughs> it, you're, I think you're totally right too. In that, you know, like, but but also, I think with Guardians in itself, especially with kind of you know your your core, especially from the first movie, all that entire trauma is from your first family. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah, rocket, yeah, yeah. Not having it, that it, rocket it, thing, you know, like like I, it's not my fault, you know. And he has that incredible breakdown moment where he's wasted and he's like. You know, you they called me a freak. Quill has that. Gamora obviously has that. Nebula has that. Drax has this moment of, I need to avenge my wife and daughter. You know, and with this, you 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 kind of have that with well, a lot of people, ex- with the exception of, I mean, so far of um, yeah, uh, Economos and maybe even Vigilante. But like, we already know from Harcourt that she has, you know, had a interesting relationship with her father with regards to you know, their conversation about the gun. You know that Peacemaker's obviously messed up and there's more to come about his brother. And even Adebayo has a lot going on with the, you know, the weird like triangle that she's in the middle of between her job, her wife and her mother, you know? And so you, you, you have such family struggle, family struggle. Yeah, let's talk about that because that's interesting because that's an inter- that's a B plot line that has not gotten a lot of time. Um, she started this series as kind of like our, in some ways our eyes and ears inside of this because she's learning she's her first day, whatever that is. And then we learn that her mother is um, Viola Davis. Um, and so we're 
trying to so so she's presented that way and then we get a little bit of her backstory with her wife and 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 all of that and and amanda waller is her mom and and so now we're her her sweet dogs (laughs) and now we're in a position where it's not a lot of plot or story it's just emotional kind of like layering but it's really interesting because again to your to your talk about like family and trauma she's she's working for her mom she is doing this for her her wife but also she's creating this new family but in the center of all this it's like eating her alive so this kind of even though it's not a lot of kind of like like plot if you will but what it is is it's really feeding into the theme of this whole thing but also giving her character so many more layers and like even though we only get maybe two minutes of it per episode about her plot line um it is it really informs everything else going around and i really appreciate that 100 percent, and i think that especially with with adebayo and especially with the fact that we don't know a ton about where waller's intentions lie or even where her um, uh, allegiances lie, there's what I think. What's super interesting to me about that relationship is that Adebayo kind of has to pivot at all times. Like she's constantly spinning, mm-hmm. and she's constant. And so far, we've seen with her talking to Vigilante that she has this like weird superpower of manipulation. Whether or not that's her, or that's just Vigilante being an idiot. Um, but sure. You, so you kind of see her being able to, you know, manipulate situations so that they are good for her. Now, if you have, you know, the situation where you're trying to kind of, you're, you're this weird sleeper agent in this family that's being established. And you're also, a, you know, your mother is a sleeper agent or whatever Waller is, because we don't know yet. But based on what we know from the Suicide Squad, she's not a big fan of the people that Adebayo is surrounded by. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also she's kind of being ushered into Peacemaker's new family. And there is already some level of trust there where she has to plant this diary. It's so much. It's just so much. And props to Danielle Brooks because she's crushing it in this. She's so good in this. Oh. Yeah, Danielle Brooks is doing it a spectacular job. And like that whole scene with the bit of uh her shooting the guy after he did but like she's she wants to be cool she she also is like she shot her first person because of him like they have this connection whether like he wants to believe it or not and also two things that i did i kind of put together in this one they find out that they are a secret task force that they can't go further into butterfly, you know, reconnaissance because then people will find out. So they're funneling money into this to hide the facts. So they're alone. And I think that feeds into the bonding element of this. Harcourt realizes that like they're in this by themselves and they all realize this. And so that's why that bonding kind of starts too, because like, nobody else above them is going to acknowledge it because like that would only be bad for Argus and, and, and everything. So I'm fascinated by like them finding that information um, connects directly to them uh, actually being uh, a little bit more bondly, if you will. Yeah. Do you feel like you have a sense of who that person is yet? Like the person who is Harcourt, no, so like when what do you mean? Uh, like they you're you're totally right in that so they they you know they're like oh you know Waller's pulling uh 
you know, pulling funds from other stuff, you know, so like we're off the books or black ops. And then anytime it gets to a certain level, someone in high up in the government shuts it down. I have a theory sure. that that's actually Waller. So you, you have the whole situation with, you know, when she is the conversation, Adebayo has a conversation about Mern and uh, uh, you know, uh, Waller kind of says, you know, she's like, oh, he's fine. You know, he's, that's just how he is. And then even with um, uh, Locke coming in, he's like, he's like, Ma, uh, Waller sent me here to help you out. I got you. So if 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 you kind of have this weird situation here and you're putting Mern at the head of this and you're in charge of knowing who butterflies are and tracking them, how do you not know that Mern is a butterfly? How do you not? I mean, but also like you're you're sending your daughter into this for what? Like there has to be some reason for that. We also don't know if Mern was always a butterfly when he became a butterfly. Maybe he became a butterfly during the course of this show, not necessarily before they That's started. Fair. Like, I don't, I, I don't, and we don't know that answer, obviously. But it, the, the point you bring up is really, it's very interesting. And I just like, I'm, I'm happy that they didn't drag it out. That they found out like pretty soon. Yeah. Um, uh. But um, that's all because so this actually that's an interesting point. It brings us to a lot of questions that are open ended. Like, when did Mern become a butterfly? Why is Mern a butterfly? What are the butterflies wanting? Um, what does Amanda Waller want? Like, what's the point of the diary? Um, like, what is her intentions? Literally, who is on who is on what side of everything? You know yeah, what I mean? I mean like, yeah, like we, we already know instantly. That like for a while it was like everybody versus Peacemaker and now it's everyone kind of banding together. But we know as you know the audience that it's everyone potentially versus Adebayo and then also Waller and then also now Mern. So it's like you have – it's like the – I mean they're bonding and they're they're becoming so close together at the perfect time for this to absolutely explode. Do you know what I mean? Because the first time they've are, they've dealt with butterflies – they didn't have that closeness and they still were dealing with kind of, you know, figuring out how each other works. But now that you've pulled everybody super tight knit, thanks to Hanoi rocks, you know, it just, it feels like you're totally right. This was a perfect moment for them to kind of explode everything out and to kind of, you know, like just really go to town on everything. Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting point. I also, you know, kind of in the same realm of that is, uh, I, I'm wondering if Harcourt knew something or knows something because they they have that weird beat where Harcourt kind of looks at Mern or like is 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 ignoring Mern or she just seems like skeptical of Mern. Um, I guess it doesn't matter because we found out or maybe I don't know. Th there was an extra beat in there editing wise that felt like it was there for a purpose or maybe I'm misreading it or overreading it. I don't know. No, but 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 you know what though? I think I think there's something to it. I don't know uh, Harcourt has a ton of interesting looks that feel like we're going to be going back and looking at them kind of retro retrospectively. Like we already have one in this episode where they do the Rochambeau and then vigilante's like, what was that about? And she's like, don't worry about it. Yeah. So we already have like a few, like there was a point in episode four where like she, she has this look towards vigilante. And I was like, wait, hold on. Is that, is that a romantic spark there? For some reason. But then like in this episode, I was like, I mean, look at this boy. This man is an idiot. Um, so, so I don't know. I mean, I, I, 
I feel like I'm getting that from her, but maybe that's also just because she's maybe she's not the most verbal and and uh, vocal participant with her kind of uh, inner feelings and emotions, except if it's like a one-on-one situation like we got in episode three, you know? Oh, something else I also wanted to bring up, and because Joanna and I talked about it in previous episodes, is I, I really like Detective Song a lot. Um, yes. Not only yes. is she like, a super badass character, but the way that she is able to just be, she's just wittier than the next racist motherfucker. And like, can like, just like she, she has a purpose. She's going to do her job. And she just like, she can make a quip and move on to like do her job. I just like really appreciate that because I feel like a lot of trauma, um, kind of, um, comedy in the past has very been like, just like laying it on thick for certain minorities or certain groups of people. I mean, again, that's a generalization of what trauma like actually is and it's campiness and whatnot, but I'm glad that this is kind of doing, this is just taking a stronger stance at like somebody like combating the character that is a, a Nazi and an awful, awful person. Like she can just go toe to toe to him. Like, even though, he is the white dragon, blah, 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 all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Well, and it, and it, I think you're totally right too, especially since that spurs from, you know, the insult that they throw where he calls her Lucy Lou and the look on her face is like, Oh, uh, oh yeah. Okay. The, we're going to uh, great. Yeah. No, no, no. Like w- I can do this all day. Like I can do this all day. I could, you want to do this? I could do this all day. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. And I, I, I think she, I think both detectives, but song, I think is, and you get that weird shot of, her uncle's house too. That felt like it was lasting a little bit too sure. long for it just to be a throwaway. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think there's a lot more that we're going to see from her. Cause there has to be, especially if you have this kind of dual story of, you know, what's going on with, um, with Locke, right. Casper Locke and, um, and what's going on kind of on the other side of, you know, the apple dumpling gang and the 11th street kids. Yeah. Ah, man, this episode is just so dense. Like, it's funny. The scenes are amazing. We, 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 we haven't even the, talked about the gorilla. Like, we haven't yeah. even, even gotten into Glenn's. The 800-pound gorilla in the episode? <laughs> Chekhov's gorilla. What a mess. Oh, I mean, it's, it's – but, but this also feels like – I mean, this is James Gunn. Like, this is ja- – like, James Gunn it, – it's funny because anytime there's, like, a great episode – or I guess there's been five great episodes, but every time – because jo- Joanna obviously watches everything first and then she's like, oh, you should watch this. And then we, you know, kind of have like a little talk about it afterwards. The thing we always talk about is whether or not James Gunn is like a cheat code or not. And I think that with this episode specifically, it's like, no, he's not a cheat code. He just knows how to like fully flesh out a world in the perfect way. Sure. You know, like you get this weird heist thing where, you know, like you're going in to get like alien applesauce. Like it's like, it shouldn't be as like specific as it is, but it's perfect. You know, like you have, yeah. you have so many, you know, Chekhovian things where, you know, gorillas mentioned, chainsaws mentioned, um, yeah. uh, x-ray vision mentioned. Like, how do you, oh, how do you, how do you know? Cause I can see in their heads. Mm-hmm. So the minute she puts on that helmet at the end, you're like, oh, I know what is coming. This is wild. Totally. Like it's 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 just he's able to just completely just like weave that that web of everything so well. Like it's he's not a cheat code. The man is just given 
the best toys to play with. You know what I mean? But he also knows how to he knows how to structure. He knows how to make you feel feelings. He he knows how to structure things as like hilarious and comedy. And like it's just like really it's really enjoyable to watch. And like uh, uh, you know, yeah. on that note, like what was okay, I there were a lot of great moments in this episode. What was your favorite um comedy beat? Like what was your favorite comedy beat in this episode? Damn. Let's do let's do a mini draft. We each have three <laughs> okay. picks. I'll, okay. I'll give you first pick. I'll give you first pick. Okay. So my pick is when they're in the van and they're driving to Glentai and they're talking about jazz and and Peacemaker says, you want jazz, like, you know, Vigilante, you know, his farts back there. That's jazz. <laughs> and instead of saying, no, they're not, Vigilante says, no, I didn't. <laughs> Which I think is so good because it's an admission of full guilt. It's very much like he just not it, dealt it. And it's just, it's just, I, I think there's something so brilliant and just like perfect and beautiful about this man who like looks like, like what's his name? Like Snake Eyes from G.I. Joe. But just is absolutely not that. <laughs> Kills me. That's a good one. All right, I'm gonna go with for my first pick. I'm gonna go with the. Um, I'll go with the PowerPoint presentation scene. Just everything oh, about that made me laugh. And what a great way to start the episode off, and end the episode. Oh. But we'll get to that. Um, cool. So that's my second pick. What's your? That's my first pick. What's your second pick? Oh, actually, okay. This is easy. This is actually super easy. Um, mermaid emoji, mermaid emoji to me was so stupid. that was spectacular because 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 I like I I whether or not it's like you know the euphoria that I've been watching or you know like I I love how people use your people do text messages and movies and TV shows so like this them not putting it up there but you have to read it off the screen like my ass was pausing it just so I could read it so when he <laughs> threw that up there I was like wait what what, what is it? man I love that too. Like, you're gonna do it from like Fennel Fields, and they're like, they're like, yeah. He says it's you know, it's it's sad, it's happy, you know, it's it's he it's he thinks it's holistic, and she's like, does not make it just a, a useless emoji, <laughs> which it all <already laughs> it's so good. Oh, hot uh, damn. Uh, my my second pick is the finger banging com- conversation. All right, that might be overkill. Fuck these butterflies before, remember? We're not even sure they're in there. Just take your pistol. I finger bang you, I'm not using my pinky. That's a disgusting phrase. You're just saying that because lesbians don't finger bang. We finger bang more than the rest of the world combined. Okay, you're right. I just forgot women had fingers for a second, okay? How do you think we grab things? Not in life, in sex. Oh, so you just thought women's fingers just fell off during sex? I don't know, I wasn't thinking, okay? Clearly. We finger bang more than the entire world collectively. <laughs> But what do you think our fingers no, fall? How do you think we grab things? <laughs> so, no, I meant like not like in life, like in, just in sex. So you thought a woman's fingers just fall off as she's having sex? <laughs> so good. Oh, it's so good. Uh, oh, and what's your damn. third? What's your third? Um, my my third is, and it's it's funny because if you look at the personal growth, um, is Economos uh, taking the chainsaw um, to the gorilla. And just, just this, this person who is very much like just getting the shit kicked out of them left and right from everybody, like just has this like incredibly like, like 
brutal and like visceral moment and just it's like totally like as a as as a bigger dude there's something always funny to me about like a big man hitting like just like all of their emotions all at once and like hitting like a 10 out of 10 <laughs> that was great i'll go with oh, but for my final pick i'm gonna go with um peacemaker trying to explain to autobio uh like how Harcourt called him a handsome just because you're handsome. <laughs> like that whole sequence really made me laugh. Like again, showing off how skewed his view of things is. And that like, she's like uh, bursting his bubble a little bit, but it's so funny, even though he knows it was, that was wonderful. So good. Uh, see, but, and like, and that's, that's why the show is so good though, is because that moment splits the uprights in being like, like, devastating in like looking at like like he understands what she was saying but he takes it as at its like literal meaning but then also like the flip side he's just an absolute moron getting it completely wrong because she's like telling him like fuck off like it's it's just this show is so good it just yeah i mean so uh so let's rate this episode How, how many uh how many chainsaws would you give this episode out of 10? How many bloody gorilla chainsaws would you give this How episode? Many bloody gorillas? I would, you know, damn it. I'm going to say this. I'm going to give this an 8.5 with the caveat that I don't want to make it a 10 because how can you go higher than a 10? And I feel like this show is just ramping up to hit like a 12. Um, and then... I I I just I wish it was longer and that's super selfish because it doesn't need to be longer but I wish it was longer. Sure. Uh so that's and and you, you get a 0.5 deduction for that and I'll be the French judge from the Salt Lake. Olympics. Okay, sure. Just making just just a little point <laughs> <by> myself. <laughs> um yeah, I'll give it an 8. I, like I think 8 is a really good score when like you just kind of know when you get a 10 and a 10 is usually like a premiere or a finale or something like that, which is not fair to yeah. say, cause there are some great mid season tens, but I would definitely give this one an eight. Um, I just like, man, when I watch Boba Fett during the week, I, I'm taking notes. Like, I'm just like, really, I love it and I'm having a good time, but like, I'm a little bit more stressed out because I'm like, how does this connect? How does this connect? When I'm watching this one, I just like sit back, my shoulders relax. I'm just enjoying myself. Not that I, I don't enjoy myself during the star Wars shows, but it's a different experience. This TV show is very much like what the Suicide Squad movies are. They're what like Ant Man is, where like it's like you don't need to watch Ant Man. Like you you know like you do it. Paul Rudd crushes it, but like no one's out there being like my top five Marvel movies. Ant Man number one. It's like Ant Man is eight maybe, but you throw it on because it's funny, it's goofy, like it, it's it's good. It's empirically a good movie. This is, you're totally right. It's no stress, just fantastic. Which is why, like, when James Gunn said it was basically like Eastbound and Down, like, that's how I watch this show. Like, I can throw on an episode of, like, Eastbound and Down or, like, It's Always Sunny, and it's just automatically, it's like, you're just going to do nothing for 20 minutes. You're just going to just, like, relax and just chill out. And this show sticks that landing so so well in just like it and over and over like, again it and it and it really shouldn't but it does like it just it's like surprise surprise of the year is this 
you know, like, I mean, for, I mean, yeah, yeah bigger definitely. cinematic surprises, obviously, but like, the, the, actually, I'll, I'll be even ruder about it. This is like the opposite of Eternals for me, where it's like I went into Eternals being like, this movie's going to be awesome and being like, this is fine. But this, like, I, like, with, like, with when Boba Fett comes out, like, yes, like, I'm excited for it. When this comes out, I'm looking forward to it. Like, I am, sure. I am watching it, like, the minute it drops. I totally get that. And, like, you know, I it make, watching this makes me even more excited to see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 because of how much James Gunn has evolved as a storyteller over these past couple of years. You know, he, this is awesome. He was humbled by his like, um, cancellation for a bit. Um, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think he just like, there's an appreciation. He really puts it all out there. I'm just like very into what he's going to do next. And I, that makes me even more excited for not only guardians, but the guardians Christmas special that they're doing, um, on Disney plus. So I'm like super pumped for all of that stuff. Well, and I think too, that, like this, this has, um, after the Snyder cut, I kind of gave up a little bit on the DCEU just because it, it, it just, I mean, it, it feels like watching like a minor league baseball, baseball team play against the Yankees. Like it just, it doesn't feel like it's the same. And this finally feels like it's on the same level, um, as some of the, you know, like the Disney plus shows that have come out. So I'm also mm-hmm, excited mm-hmm. about whether or not DC can kind of take this momentum and kind of say, hey, this formula of how we did this, not everything has to be super funny, but if we just kind of loosen up a little bit, like we, it's, it works out and we get, you know, we get rewarded for doing that, you know, and especially with you have, you know, the flash coming up in a year, I'm like, this is kind of a perfect moment for you to kind of let Barry Allen be a little bit Barry Allen-y and kind of relax a little bit. I'm excited to see what they're going to do when it comes to things like, well, one, it was, uh, it was released today that they're probably going to do another suicides, the suicide squad spinoff, um, TV show right. because this is doing so well. Please, please give me Ratcatcher too. Please give me Ratcatcher too. <laughs> so, but I'm also really interested in like, like not only Flash because Flash is no pun intended. Yeah, pun intended is the big flashy one. But like, um, you also have stuff like, what is Black Adam gonna be like? I loved the first Shazam. What's Shazam two gonna be like? Like, I don't but, know. But not, not only because we're getting is, different directors. It's very exciting. Too? Like. Where is Shazam too? Like, I'm excited. You for know, that one. Like, I'd love because because I think and Shazam. I think you're totally right because Shazam was a movie that surprised me in that I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it ended up being, to the point where I was like, oh, yeah, this is totally. how like Captain America feels. So, like with this, it it, it almost feels like like I want to grab the DCEU and be like, you can be more. You can do. You can do the things. You just have to let yourself do them, you know, like because you're yeah. totally right, you know, and like we, we don't know what Black Adam is, even though we when we, we know from the comics, Black Adam is going to weave into right, right. Shazam too. But like the fact that I think knowing knowing that this is kind of informing those choices as they move forward brings me a little bit more on board with where they're going to go because what they're doing in the comic side of everything is awesome. Like they're doing some great comic stuff now, 
but cinematically and and serially they're just not they're they're just falling behind so i'm so glad that they are finally sticking the landing on this and i hope that it move it continues moving forward i really do especially Same. after wonder woman 1984 because my lord yeah <laughs> yeah but the future of the dceu is i think very bright well nerds we don't want to stay here overnight if we don't have cable fargo's on tonight we thank you so much for stopping by, and we hope you had as much fun as we did. And we hope you'll join us next time as we travel to another corner of the Nerdverse. Make sure to join us in the Nerdverse by following on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at the Nerdverse Pod. Be sure to blast over and subscribe to the Nerdverse with Joanna and Brian on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Rate and review us there. And Justin, Fargo's not on until tomorrow night, you fucking nerd. <laughs> As a new universe in a multiverse of other nerdverses, the reviews and ratings are so important to help this podcast grow. So leave those five-star ratings. And maybe, if you're feeling happy, sad, or everything in between, you can also leave some holistic, useless mermaid emojis. <laughs> well, thanks for filling in for your wife. I appreciate it. Dude, I'm, 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 I, made, I made it on the pod, man. Like, I did it. <laughs> Fucking, I'm here. When you were watching this episode, did you anticipate the stinger to be more of the naming of people scene? Was that no, your guess? No, I didn't. No. Oh, what do you think it was going to be? I well, I thought. See, here's the thing. I don't necessarily know what they're doing with 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 the stingers and whatnot. So, like, occasionally, I'm like, "Oh, you're going to give me like a secondary joke." I thought they were going to give us Judo Master. Because once again, we don't know where or what or how Judo Master is. Because that's where I think it's that you my do. He's he's got a bullet in his chest on their couch. Well, I know, but we don't know if he's we don't he should have died. Like Judo Master should be dead. So the fact that he's not dead tells me it's a little something going on. Sure. Especially since he seems to be the key because one, getting that shoulder lift in the opening, because you a shoulder lift always means you're important. Thank you, Mary Crossaro. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My theory is that Judo Master is the guy who saves Adebayo. So my my thing was going to be like you see him like wake oh. up or have like a like a oh I'm needed kind of thing. That because but then again I also I never, love that I never know if I'm expecting like a Marvel stinger or it's or you're gonna give me like jokey 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 joke. You know what I mean? So, right. so that's what I thought. Well, maybe was. Ariana Grande will save Adebayo. Oh my God, it's so stupid. <laughs> I can't. But I do love – I could have watched John Cena yell names for another hour. He goes through everyone, every person involved in the Howard Stern show. I lost it, dude. I was like, you're going to give me Robin's full name? Get out of here. I can't. Oh, man. It was oh, so man. good.